This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. We've got a good one for you today. Hi again, everybody. Welcome in to the Black and Blue Report. Sean Kelly, John Kuhn, co-hosting today. On this Wednesday, we got a great show because well, John's here. How you been? All right. Yeah, yeah. Body's doing well. Doing, uh, doing good. Back in at work now. So, you now we had that Tuesday day off. You try and get some time spend with your family and and catch up on the week. You know, my daughter. I feel like every time I see her on a Tuesday, she's grown like two inches. It's unbelievable how how much you miss in one in, in one short week. Unbelievable. And is it really a day off after what getting home after midnight and? playing a night game yeah i mean it's a day off i'm gonna take it okay <laughs> fair enough. It, i'm gonna take it not the way you wanted to start the season i know we'll talk about that in a little bit and a big week on a short week with the patriots um you and i were just discussing before we turned on these microphones how we could both get into our own little world for a good stretch there during training camp and all that and both of us kind of picked up our heads and realized that the cleveland indians and this is not something we often talk about but the indians have won 20 in a row Look, we don't do baseball here, but how do you ignore that story? And where have we been that we haven't even noticed that until yeah, now? You, you know, it, it really is amazing. When you get to the end of training camp and, and, it's, and it's cut downs and um, there's roster moves being made, and, but then you got your first game of the season that you're starting to prepare for already, you, you can find yourself in a nice 10, 11, 12-day stretch there where you don't even pay attention to the outside world. And next thing you know, something gets brought up. I know with baseball, I, I used to I used to look at the standings every day when I was young, and um, you, you would see the the wins that they had, the losses that they had, and, and it was called the last 10. And that's how you could tell if a team was doing well. You would look at their last 10, and it'd be like 7-3 and three or 6-4, or and four, but, but they had more wins than they had losses because generally in baseball, you know, you go 2-3 and three in a three-game series and you're doing pretty good. But but that's how you that's how you could tell. The Cleveland Indians have had two straight weeks now or, or three straight weeks now where their thing has said 10-0 and 0 in the last 10. That's pretty darn impressive. Pretty. It's like almost the record. <laughs> and, we you know, that's the other thing is, uh, you know, what is the record? I think officially the record is 26 in a row by, like, the New York Giants in 26, or 1916. Now, there was a tie in there, though, John, because back then – no lights at the stadiums. You didn't have tarps on every field for those rainouts. And so what would happen is if a game ended in a tie, the game would almost vanish. They would replay the whole game all over again, usually like a, a day-night doubleheader the next day. So in that stretch of 26 wins, there was a tie there. So in your eyes, is that still a 26-game winning streak? I, I mean, I count it as a 26-game because, you know, they didn't count the game because it ended in a tie, but they replayed it again, and the replay was within those 26 games, and they and they won the replay. So um, not only did they not lose the original game, but they when they replayed it because that was part of their stipulation. It, I, I kind of liked baseball's overtime rules back then, huh? You, you know, you you get to you get to nine innings, you can't finish because it's too dark. You just play the game the next day. I mean, they the have definitive thing. they have definitive winners and losers. That's true. That is true. I didn't they also was- had pitchers that pitched all nine innings every single time they went out back then too yes so. now in the game that ended up being a tie both the giants and i can't remember the other team had to go out and find another pitcher to do the off the, the street over. pitcher kind and of. off I the street that's what pitcher? i understand yeah yeah hey you hey bagging my groceries you're, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a fun time today <laughs> exactly um so it's 26 uh they did i think break or tie the american league record with the 20th win less and tied it so they'll go for 21 
later today. Some unexpected baseball talk for us today. That's I like okay. it. Break it up a little bit. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned the transaction thing um, and the the roster shuffling that goes on at the end of the preseason. You kind of got caught in that that search for the right fifty three because of all the maneuvering. There was a short moment there where John Kuhn was not technically a member of the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Did you kind of know the the inner workings of that? Uh, did it kind of unnerve you a little bit? As you know, we it's funny both. Uh, we have great communication here, and it's 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 amazing how you you understand where the coach is going and and where the GM is going when they're making their moves because they're they're up front and and you know it's clear and concise with with everything that's going on here. There's nothing behind the scenes. They're not sneaky about anything, and they they kind of they kind of talk you through this process that they're going to do. And w- along with that, you have the normal. Um, process where a guy comes down and taps you on your shoulder and he's a scout and that's never a fun feeling I mean I've had that feeling a few times in my career especially early on so I got that tap on my shoulder and I was like even though I had a pretty good feeling what was going on here it's still oh man it's still just an eerie eerie sense that you get kind of going up your back do you and we're talking with a two-time Super Bowl champion here uh so an event do you call your wife or do you wait till you get home to say hey babe you know this is kind of going on here, or you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I've never been in that situation. Okay, well, my wife's my, my wife is on, on the eleventh hour of a pregnancy right now, so oh any gosh. surprises with me not at home is not going to be good. So, I, I I waited until I got home to to explain how everything went down. It's a good move on your part. Yeah, mm-hmm. this will be your second. This right? will be our second. Yeah, uh, outstanding, outstanding. She's been pregnant through the hottest time of the year here. How about it? She's a champ. I, you know, to be. To be nine and a half and some change, walking around on the streets down here with with this heat, it's it's incredible. It's incredible what women do to uh, to afford us some children and and, and make it a, a happy home. Indeed, it's amazing. Tip of the cap there. All right, the uh, season opener up in Minnesota. What happened? What was the, what, what's your takeaway from that? Now that you've had a day or two to think about it, um, we we didn't play. 60 minutes that's that's very apparent we were not great in situational football third down and and red zone um i do like the way that we competed i mean we we played hard we played hard on offense and it was it was uh very clear that we played hard on defense and uh we have definite room for improvement and one of the most popular sayings in the nfl is the greatest improvement you have are in your first four games especially from week one to week two so um Looking at the upside, we, we have a lot of room for improvement, and, and we have a great opportunity. Yeah, no, there is that. And, and Coach Payton said even after the game, hey, look, a lot of times in this situation, win or lose, you got to flush it and move on. The next week's coming at you really fast. He said this one maybe we have to look at a little bit longer, or there's some things that need to be corrected uh, during maybe a longer practice or two before we turn our attention to New England, which is something that seems out of the norm. Is that because – it's a week one to week two scenario. I think so. I, I think at this point in time in the season, um, I, I think what he was referring to initially was an away Monday night game coming up to a noon Sunday game. You you have to flush that game and you have to get rolling pretty quick because your clock's already, you know, the sands are already running through the hourglass. But, right. But in this case, with it being the first week of the season, there are lessons that need to be learned now so that um, characteristics aren't developed that last an entire season. And that's, that is what needs to be corrected. Those are the things that need to be uh, tend to early on this week so that it's not a trend going forward. 
you obviously intimately work with the offensive line. When Zach Streif went down in the second quarter, how difficult was that adjustment, or was it maybe more smooth than what I guess the average fan could could see? You, you know, it is a very difficult um, adjustment. Kudos to Sino Calamente. That guy, some guys can't play right or left, talking right. about the same position, guard or tackle. This guy plays left guard, left tackle, right guard, right tackle, a little bit of center here. He he can take his glove off too. I mean, the guy the guy does a darn good job at, at all five positions up front. I mean, a jack of all trades. Yeah, you, you, t- you take a hit with Zach Streif going out, but but Sinio being able to go in there and do that, I mean, he, he gets a lot of respect out of me and the rest of his teammates. Unbelievable. That, that's been the word ever since is that, you know, hey, if there was one guy who's not normally listed as a tackle, you know, bring him in the Swiss Army knife, you know, Calamente. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, did, it, did, did you guys then have to, as, as running backs, I guess, help a little more maybe instead of being able to either run empty set or whatever, did that – cause you all to have to help come in, help chip or whatever because of that line situation? I don't think it ever really changed our mindset going forward. Um, and I don't think it directly impacted the way that the game got called from then on out. And that, again, is just a compliment to, to Cineo, Is I don't think we ever felt like we needed to change our approach based off of him going in at that position. I don't, I, that, was, that was not on our minds. What's the balance between overreaction and, I guess, the reality of the situation? You, you know, you know that's, always, that's, always a, that's always a hard that's always a hard question to answer. And you look at situations, sometimes you think, man, we played a fantastic game there, and, and maybe you even won the game, and you came in and you realized, <laughs> no, the other team just did not play well. And, you know, you kind of need – you always need to stay fair and balanced and, and understand that <clears> – <throat> There's always room for improvement, and you're never quite as good as you, uh, you, you know, you think you were, or you, mm-hmm. you, you hoped you would be. Conversely, you're you're never quite as bad. You're you're always that that line, that fine line, is always a lot closer to where you actually are uh, as a football team when it comes to winning and losing. And and you got to realize that. And I think the teams that realize that and make their small and few corrections that that get them over the hump, those are the teams that. That uh, that are successful, and they're not the teams that that turn these things into three, four game losing streaks. Well said. You know, another thing I do, I get trapped in this all the time. I forget that the other team's pretty good too sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, Minnesota's defense is pretty darn good, so I don't want to, I don't want to overreact in the sense that, gosh, we didn't do this, and our third down looked like that, and everything else. When, by the way. The front seven for Minnesota, and we knew it going in, but yet I've seemed to seemingly have ignored it since Monday night. They're pretty salty themselves. Yeah, you know, and, and we knew that. We knew the challenge we were facing um, going up there with Minnesota, and, and we liked our game plan, and we liked our approach, and I can't think of one guy who, who went up there and, and thought, you know, this is – we're going to have to play a perfect game to win this. We thought, we thought that we had a great game plan, and we thought we were ready to attack them, and um, they just played better than we did in, in those situations. You know, third down, red zone. We had chances at turnovers. We just, you know, they were on our fingertips, and we were just not able to bring them in. I thought we protected the ball well as an offense. So yeah. so when you look at the, you know, we didn't gain any turnovers, but we didn't lose any turnovers. I mean, it, again, it's a fine line. It's a fine line, and we we uh, we have a few things to fix. Yeah, think about this, friends. That You know, obviously red zone efficiency was – 
uh, something that was talked about throughout the game and afterwards. Uh, lose by 10. Just let's say that maybe those first two scoring drives, both ending in field goals, one or both end up being touchdowns. It's a whole different deal, and, and we're talking about a much different scenario in week one. John and I continue in just a moment. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. This is John Kuhn, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. John Kelly, John Kuhn, back with you on the Black and Blue Report. The uh, Patriots will be here on Sunday. Short week, my friend, uh, and I know you won't say it, but I will. BS to this whole thing where the Patriots get to play on Thursday and have 10 days to prepare, and you guys have to play a road game on Monday night and are still trying to clean up Monday night before even turning your attention to New England. I know you won't talk about that, but let's just talk about the short week. And how how this week is different than, say, a Sunday-to-Sunday week. Yeah, um, it's different. You don't get that time to correct. And normally Mondays are correction days. You come in, you you work out, um, you correct your body, so to speak, um, with with treatment and and working out and running and flushing the body. And then you correct the mental side. You correct the film and you watch what you did in the game. And and there's things that you did wrong, but there's things you did right, too, that you see in, in those um, those things get emphasized as well. So, so you lose your correction day. Tuesday is your off day. And, you know, if you get your correction day, you have kind of a half day on Monday. So you don't, you don't feel like you need to, you know, just go all out on, on Tuesday on your day off and, you know, do things with your family. You know, you might do a half day Monday, half day Tuesday. And it's just, it's much more relaxed and slow paced. And without having that getting back Tuesday morning and yesterday, you, you try and sleep in the best you can, but most of us can't sleep in anyways. So it's 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 tough. You know, you're a little bit tired on Wednesday, but it's time to get back at it. We'll make some corrections. We'll we'll have practice. It'll it'll move quickly. It's almost it, it's there's also a good side to it. The good side is when you when you lose a, a tough game like we did on Monday night, there there is a quick turnaround. You have to you have to turn around and you always feel bad from a loss to your next game. So it's great that we don't have to, you know, swallow this pill for three, four more days like the Patriots have had to do um, coming off of their Thursday night game. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, you know what the media is going to do this week. They're going to talk about two 0-1 teams going at it. Nobody wants to start a season 0-2. Makes for kind of a salty little um, bigger than a normal week two game would go. Uh, are they right? Is it fair to use this storyline or is it – is it different in the locker room down the hall? You know, I think it's fair as long as, um, as as long as they keep it for what it is. It is the second game of the season, and nobody, I'm telling you, nobody wants to start on two. I, I, I know there's a stat out there about 0-2 teams and making the playoffs, and I know there aren't a whole, you know, plethora of them. So uh, that's going to be the mindset. The, you you got to get some wins. I mean, 
you got to start. And every team looks at their season as quarters. And this is the first half of the first quarter of the season. This is this is two games, and you you, you don't want to be going into that you know second quarter of the season in a deficit. It, it that's never good. Yeah, I, I agree. This kind of circles back to what we talked about earlier with the Indians winning twenty twenty in one in a row. They play about every day. You play once a week. It's magnified, and so. What it's happened? tough with yeah. six with sixteen games. It's tough because you can't give one up. You give one game up, and and uh, you know last you know we, we talked twenty sixteen here. We felt like we gave a couple games up early in the season, and they just haunted us the entire season. Now Minnesota, we didn't give that game up. We were beaten, so uh, so now we we got to come back and we have to find a way to win a game and get back to even to get back to five hundred. Have you seen New England play yet? Yeah, well, I watched that game. You watched it. All right, yeah. give, me, give me your take on them. I know further study will come this week. Uh, scout them up for me as we get ready for week two. Yeah, I, I think they're a dangerous team. I mean, obviously, it's the New England Patriots. Everybody's going to say, hey, great great quote, John. Uh, they're a dangerous team. <laughs> but honestly, first half of that game, I thought, here we go again. Um, New England, they're, they're just going to dominate this uh they're just going to dominate this game with it being a home game but i thought kansas city did some great things that that uh that we can look at and, and go forward with and and uh they created some explosive plays in in order to to take control of that game and i think um the momentum kind of shifted midway through that third quarter and and kansas city you know really took that over so um we're gonna have to look at that as an example i mean they they still do have um, a, a great defense, and I know Kansas City put 42 points on them, but that, that that's a pretty stout, stingy crew over there. So um, we're we're going to look to try and exploit some of the same things, and and I know on the defensive side they're going to work their tail off this week because you know Tom Brady. It doesn't matter what weapons he has, he finds them all. I mean, the guy he's able to distribute the ball to 10, 12, 15 guys a game, and you know how do you defend an army of of 10 to 12? So uh, so it's going to be a tough. Hard game, but like you said, with all the storylines going around right now about not wanting to go and two, I mean, this is a you can't miss this game. You have to watch this. One. I agree. CBS is number one cruise on it. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, by the way, uh, coming to town for that game. Um, you want to care to care to share some of those things that maybe Kansas City exploited? You wanna, no, we'll you keep wanna... them. We'll keep them quiet for the time <laughs> being. We could talk about it on next week's podcast. That's fair. <laughs> we'll do that. Yes, because uh, I think John will be with us on Monday following the game. Um, couple of things before we go here. Uh, number one, the Saints finally back at home this weekend. The only game at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in the month of September, strangely enough. Uh, and number two, uh, the Saints will come home having a bunch of those young players that made their NFL regular season debuts on Monday night with that game under their belt. There were a lot of ga- guys making their NFL debuts, including your starting left tackle on your side of the football and a certain running back who wears 41. Would you... What do you think of the way they handled that first go around, and, and and how does that then translate into their second time on the field? You know, I, I thought I remember being a rookie. I didn't handle it the way that they did. I was proud of them. I thought they did a great job with um, handling the moment. Monday Night Football. That stadium is electric. Um, poise and and confidence was not an issue with them. I mean, they they went out there and uh, and, and did their thing. As far as that goes, um, I know there's a couple plays they'd like to have back. There's also a learning curve when it comes to to being young, and we need them to to cross that learning curve as, as quickly as possible so that we um, so that we can be firing on all cylinders here going forward. I I, I really liked what what they did and what they were able to do. And uh, I want to go back to your comment about yeah. 
the uh, our only game at home here in September. It's tough. You want to get out to a great start. But, man, if we can find a way to uh, to, to make this first quarter work for us, to get to 3-1 to and one or 2-2, two and two, and then we have those games banked at home at the end of the season, that could really work in our favor. So, I mean, that's kind of the way we're looking at it here. We put ourselves in a hole with this Minnesota game, but we have to – we have to get off to a good start here because we have the advantage going down the stretch. Yeah, good insight there. I didn't think about that. I was just stuck on the fact that it's one home game. I didn't think that, obviously, this is an investment in the future. Well, when you, you play right. 16 games, you get eight home, eight yeah. away, and we get eight of them at home, unless you're the Dolphins or, or somebody like that, and you got to play one of your home games in London. So That's true. That's Thank true. goodness we sell out. Oh, no doubt. It'll be a huge crowd. Uh, before we take our break and get Rajan Rondo in here, the, the initial list of – the uh, next in uh, next to class, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is out. I know there are some headliners, but but John, there's some there's some notable saints that I think that are worth mentioning out of this list of 108 modern era finalists. One of them is a fullback, by the way, Lorenzo Neal. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys who spent time in in black and gold. Sam Mills, linebacker. He's got to go in, right? You got. You'd think. You know, part of the Dome Patrol. He's got to get in. It I agree. Uh, Leroy Glover. Defensive tackle. Yeah, he was a great player. Yep. Uh, Eric Allen, cornerback. I'm trying to remember what years Eric played. It's certainly before your time in the NFL. Yeah, it, quite some time before my time. Yeah, Come on now, a Sean. Lot, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Uh, and Jay Hilgenberg, uh, the center. All right, John, thank you very much. Uh, all the best this week as you guys uh, prepare for the Patriots. Speaking of preparations for the Patriots, we'll go inside the, Saint, uh, the Saints locker room here in just a bit. Uh, we got a chance to talk to P.J. Williams today, uh, not only about uh, this past Monday night's game, but also what Brandon Cooks and the Patriots present for this weekend. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hand. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. For our final segment of today's Black and Blue Report, we're going to go inside the Saints locker room. The Saints did things a little bit differently today, and a lot of this has to do with the, the funky week. You, know, you play Monday night football on the road, travel to come home, uh, you know, late, late into the early morning hours of Tuesday. As John mentioned earlier in the show, Tuesday was pretty much an off day for the Saints. So it's a Wednesday where the Saints are not only trying to take care of the things that need to be taken care of from the loss to the Vikings, but also then begin the new week, a short week here, against the New England Patriots. So, with that being said, what was different today was is that the practice time was pushed back this afternoon. They're actually going to work outside. Uh, and the media availability was before practice. Normally it's after practice. Today it was before practice. And that included, of course, uh, Drew Brees' weekly visit with the media. You can find that at NewOrleansSaints.com. Uh, John DeShazer had a chance to catch up with P.J. Williams in that locker room session earlier today. P.J. obviously played a lot on Monday night, the defensive backs were under duress quite a bit on Monday night. Williams talks about that uh, and what's to come here this week against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, and also specifically against an old friend in Brandon Cooks. 
PJ, obviously difficult season opener. Just what are some of the things you see that you guys need to improve on in that secondary? Oh, man, it's, it's a lot of little things, man. A lot of little things could have made that game be a, a whole lot different. So definitely just uh, making sure we got our eyes where we need to be, looking at what we need to do. And when things get rocky, pretty much lock in and make sure we're still doing our job and just executing, man, playing man-to-man coverage, uh, making sure you, you guarding your man, just not looking anywhere else, things like that. Was one of the issues, I guess, more mental than physical, more mental bust than physical bust? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was a lot of, a lot of mental errors, uh, and those things, a lot of things that we went over that um, we didn't execute right. So uh, we definitely got to get enough film and make sure those things don't happen again. Is that almost one of the things that can be expected with a secondary kind of this young with yourself, Marshawn, Marcus? Definitely, but uh, we all got high expectations, and, uh, coaches don't look at us to, to make those errors, so we got to fix those and not let them happen again. And now you're going against a team that's pretty complex offensively with what they do in New England. Just wanted some of your thoughts on what some of the things they do and some of the problems they present. Oh, man, they're a great team, man. They've uh, been to the Super Bowl many times, so they run a lot of different things, a lot of different sets, uh, a lot of different routes, and got a, a lot of good players that can uh, execute good game plan so we definitely looking forward to this one and we're gonna have a good game plan and we're looking to execute you know they're down a couple of receivers obviously and but does that kind of elevate what you think they might be trying to do with brandon with brandon cooks uh maybe but uh at the end of the day we're gonna have a game plan and we're gonna make sure we execute but we know uh their offense is very complex so they can uh do a lot of things to get different guys the ball so at the end of the day they're still the patriots and we're looking to uh give them a good challenge you know, you guys obviously saw a ton of Brandon when he was here. Just what are your thoughts on, you know, seeing him again and some of the strengths that he'll bring to that team? Oh, man, he's he a real good player, man. And we went through We went against him uh, every day in practice, and, and we got to see it firsthand. So we know he's a good player. We know he can do a lot of good things, stretch the ball down the field. He has great speed, and, and also they can find different ways to get him the ball. So uh, we know him, and, and we know what he can do, but we definitely uh, – Looking to watch film, see what the Patriots do, and, and looking to uh, lock it down. They're also bringing in a Hall of Fame quarterback and Tom Brady going against Drew in practice. How much does that help, I guess, in the long term when you're playing against a guy like that? It also helps. It helps. It definitely helps because, man, going against Drew, he's a great quarterback, makes great reads, look you off just like any other great quarterback would do. So uh, we got to execute, man, execute the game plan and, and looking to make it a great challenge. All right, thanks to J.D. and uh, P.J. Williams there for that. Thanks as well to John Kuhn. I I love when he is a co-host with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll be back on Friday, and we'll really dig into this football game this weekend at home, this football game. It's a big game. Two 0-1 teams trying to avoid going 0-2. The defending Super Bowl champs come to your building, and Saints fans, let's relish the fact that it's the home opener, celebrate that, and also enjoy our one home game this month. As, as, I'm so glad John Kuhn put it to us earlier. Well, you can look at it that way, or you can say, hey, look, we're going to have a ton of home games uh, later on down the season. You get eight total. If one happens to be in the first month, that means the rest of the way there's seven sprinkled all over the place. So uh, glass half full. Good job, John Kuhn. And uh, all the best to John and his wife. Again, uh, a baby on the way uh, any day now. Any day. What did he say? Nine and a half months pregnant? Maybe he's exaggerating. Maybe he's not. Ooh. I can't even imagine. Anyway, have a great rest of your Wednesday, everyone. 
Check us out on NewOrleansSaints.com later today for the New Orleans Saints afternoon wrap. We'll do the same tomorrow after the Saints workout uh, on Thursday, and then Black and Blue report back with you on Friday. For Daniel Salerson, I'm our, our producer. I'm Sean Kelly, and for John Kuhn as well. Have a great, great week.